Sorry for that pause. I had to burp. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. 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 How's it going? Good. How are you? Okay. Doing okay. No more. (laughs) 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 It's very hard to be you. I'm very sorry for your loss. (laughs) Thank you. It's a fantastic name and appropriate now that your brother is living with you. Yep. Just sucks, man. <laughs> no more poo bearing around the house. Oh, bother. Nope. How'd the move go? Uh, Not done yet. Yeah. Kurt decided yesterday to split it in two, so he actually stayed there last night again. But today we need to move over his dresser, his TV, his air conditioner, his PS5 or whatever. Yeah. PS2, that's my speed, but... <laughs> I was going to say PS2, wow. <laughs> Even I finally got rid of that. I uh, yeah. gave it to the Goodwill. Someone can enjoy the fact that it only plays games and no longer DVDs, which was the Fair. main thing I used it yeah. for. What do we have? I think we have a PS4. I don't think we ever bought the PS5, but we don't really ever use the PlayStation anyway, so... Kurt's got a PS4 as well, which he's like, we can put that in the living room and then you can play all the games. I'm like, Ooh. dude, I'm I'm married to my one game. <laughs> That's fair. He's like, you could play it on there. And I was like, do I have to start over? Which I probably will at some point anyway. Yeah. As you know, I've restarted Stardew Valley like four times. Yeah. Because. Because. It's fun. (laughs) Because I love that game so much. Also, like when I first started playing that game, they hadn't put out all the expansions yet. So there was a lot less to do. And so I had already restarted it like twice, I think, before they put out the bigger updates. Nice. And now that there are bigger updates, I would have no intention of restarting it again at this point. So. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So that's that's happening today. Good times. Yes. I was watching Jeff play a power washing simulation, <laughs> which was surprisingly fascinating, and I really want to go play it now. <laughs> You're just literally power washing. Okay. Buildings, like a garage and... I could see Shed. that being satisfying. It really was. Yeah. And whoever made it did a really nice job with like the sound effects and everything. And it's great and mesmerizing. Nice. And very soothing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been my morning. I watched Stargate and I watched Jeff nice. play a power wash simulation. I also watched <laughs> Stargate this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Go us for yeah. being on top yeah. of things. Recording later than usual and waiting yeah. till the last minute to watch the episode. Then I listened to an episode of Sawbones while I was nice. doing some cleaning that Sydney McElroy had her daughter host with her, which actually was oh. quite delightful. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Wow. How old is that kid now? That's I, a scary thought. I don't know, but old enough to like explain radium girls to people. So that's Jeez. fun. Yeah. yeah. She was very funny. Funny kid. I enjoyed her. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. So, Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. <laughs> I snuggled with Coconut a bit. Ooh. Lily continued to be aloof, but I did give her some pets and hugs, though, oh, when I got up. Oh, that's great. I guess I'm excited to have cats in the house again, even though they're afraid of me. Yeah. It's <laughs> nice to have animals yeah. around somewhere. 
even though I don't like our cat, it's still kind of nice to just have a cat around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our cat who had a $580 vet bill yesterday just to get an antibiotic because her face is swollen. Your poor kitty. I know. Even though it doesn't bother her, or at least she doesn't express any, like, discomfort. Yeah. It seems to not be bothering her, but we're concerned <laughs> yeah. about it. And, yeah. I don't know. This might be close to the end of the road for her, but we'll see what happens. Well, fingers crossed for Potato. She's had a, a very long life, so she's yeah. had a long and, and good life. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but, yeah. Her and her box. Her cloudy eye and swollen face are not promising signs. Poor kitty. Yeah. <sighs> so. Yeah. That's a happy. Um, <laughs> ha- ha- um, so speaking, speaking of-, of animals that I've had to play with. Remember that time that I worked in an aquarium? <laughs> had to deal with hagfish? Yes. <laughs> I was going to go with speaking of death. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of death, there is both death and hagfish in this episode. Yes, there is. Close up of hagfish necropsy. And I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Flashbacks, no. (laughs) At least it wasn't writhing around and squealing. (laughs) This is true. And uh, its tail wasn't moving as they were cutting into it. And it was very slimy, though. Yes. I noticed. It sure was. It had the appropriate levels of hagfish slime for sure. So. Should we get into the episode then with Probably. this really bad segue that we've attempted? Yes. <laughs> the episode today, we are talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 13, The Curse. The camera pans across a bunch of artifacts sitting on a table. And there is an old man, Dr. Jordan, sitting at the table examining things when Stephen comes in. Steven wants to know why Dr. Jordan is there so late. And he's going to go scan this jar that he's got, an Osiris jar, to see what's maybe inside. Steven's not super thrilled about this for some reason. He's like, maybe we could just break the seal and take a look inside. Ha ha ha. (laughs) Joking but not. They apparently only have a limited time with these things to examine them because... The Egyptian government would like them back intact. That's very fair. Yes, it's extremely fair. Not too much to ask. Stephen, though, seems to be against this. He's like, we're just handing it over. Fuck you, Stephen. Not your fucking artifact. It supports my theory that all people named Stephen are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sorry. Like This is just my personal experience. I'm sure that we have some listeners named Stephen who are delightful people. But most, if not all, of the Stevens that I have known have been terrible. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Sorry if you're named Stephen. I'm sure you're a delight. And uh, thank you for being a good Stephen. That is going to disprove my theory that all Stevens are bad. Yeah. <laughs> my hypothesis, I should say. Dr. Jordan heads down to the lab, invites Stephen along, and he's like, yeah, I just got to do some stuff and I'll be down there. Dr. Jordan leaves and Stephen picks up an amulet of some kind and looks at it and sighs in, you know, sadness that he's going to lose all these artifacts that were stolen from Egypt in the first place. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Later, we're in the briefing room. Jack is just hanging out in there reading some sort of tabloid magazine. Daniel comes in with a giant stack of folders and stuff. Daniel takes a look at the thing that Jack is reading that 
he claims is only there because Teal'c's into that kind of stuff, of course, not because he likes the tabloids. Daniel's like, oh my god, my professor's dead. Because <laughs> apparently in this tabloid, I don't understand why this was in a tabloid, but the tabloid had an article about how his professor died in an explosion in his lab. I, I assume later it has to do with like the curse or whatever that they claim Yeah, presumably, people. but yeah. you'd think that that would make actual news also. Right, right. I don't know. Well, maybe Daniel yeah. doesn't read actual news and Jack only reads tabloids that Teal'c likes for some reason. Yeah, fair. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then we get credits. And after credits, there's a funeral. Daniel has taken the time to go to, I think they said this was Chicago or the Chicago, Chicago area. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen is giving the eulogy. I thought it was kind of weird <laughs> <laughs> that Dr. Jordan didn't have anybody other than his former student slash current yeah. assistant to deliver the eulogy, even though Stephen says that he was like a father. I still thought it was strange. Mm. Throughout the eulogy, he gives meaningful looks to Daniel as Stephen mentions Dr. Jordan's bitter disappointments that he's had over the years. And as he finishes his speech, he gives Daniel another meaningful look as he steps away from the speaker place. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> podium? I don't know. Was there actually a podium? I don't know. There wasn't know. actually a podium. No, he was just standing no. there. Yeah. Post-funeral, they're still at the gravesite. Daniel and Stephen reunite. Apparently, they know one another. Oh, I just remembered a coworker that I had named Stephen, who was actually a very nice person. Yes! Not yeah. all Stevens! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my many uh, waitressing jobs, I did have a coworker named Stephen. He was quite nice. I had an uncle named Steve, but I actually don't know if he was a good person or not, because I barely <laughs> knew him. Fair. <laughs> fair i've had issues with stevens but that one guy that one guy i remembered he was nice <laughs> well this steven doesn't seem that nice no he calls daniel the prodigal son then also there's a blonde lady there yeah with curly hair her name is sarah we saw her yeah what Where, what else did we see her in i don't Wasn't know she in some other episode but as a different character oh was she? i thought we recognized her as coming back later and playing someone prominent uh maybe now i'm gonna look her up Cause okay, because I didn't bother, and I was just thinking, maybe I should have. Anna Louise Plowman is her name, so let's head on over to her IMDb. Oh, it, she, she's only listed as Osiris. Weird. Okay. Yeah, I don't maybe know. Maybe was something else I was watching, and I was like, hey, it's that chick. Maybe. That's my exciting story. <laughs> <laughs> could be. I, I don't recognize. I once saw this lady in something else that I don't remember. The end. <laughs> Perfect. You're welcome. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> so she's there. She and Daniel have a past. A mm. sexy past. <laughs> yes. Yep. So they all three start to have a little chat. Daniel wants to know what happened to the professor. And Stephen says that the police says it was a slow gas leak. And then there was a spark and kablooey. Why would I wanted to know why there would have been gas going to his lab in the first place? Good question. And also, how did he not smell the gas? Because I've worked in many labs that have gas lines going to them, and even a small leak, you can smell. Oh that yeah. Oh, I know. A lot. I have multiple times accidentally left the gas on on my stove in my last oh, apartment. Oh right. 
Yeah, it same sure kind of smells. gas, very smelly. <laughs> <laughs> Which then made me think maybe he had anosmia and maybe he was like one of the first people to have COVID. And Ooh. so maybe he really died of COVID and not an explosion. But then the explosion covered it up and we would never know. That's true. Mm. Sarah's like, we'd have called you, but, you know, we don't know where you were. But she is happy he's there. They're catching up, blah, blah, blah. They want to know what Daniel's been doing, but Daniel obviously can't tell them. Why? Yeah. yeah. Gee, I don't know. <laughs> Steven clearly does not like Daniel at all. He's getting in digs about him lecturing to an empty room. But it was full when Daniel started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, maybe the world wasn't ready to hear that the pyramids were built by aliens. Or was it men from Atlantis? <laughs> he ends up stalking off and getting in a car and driving away. Daniel and Sarah continue talking and walking through the cemetery. She takes down her hair while they're walking. I only make note of that because when I'm walking around, I'm more likely to put my hair up than down because right? it makes your back, the back of your head all sweaty. Good yeah, grief. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's very important. Yeah. Maybe her hair was giving her a headache. I will often oh, take my hair. Oh, that's true. As, as a person who has a lot of hair, like this chick had a lot of hair. Yeah. My head starts to hurt if I keep my hair pulled back too long. True. So, so one mm. other, yeah, yeah, one other spoilery theory I have: coffee and beer happens. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, a triple beer! <laughs> Exciting. Desk. I, I do have a desk. It's just covered in soundproofing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Hi. Bye. Bye. I now have a, a coffee and a Thomas Hooker Brewery Super Duper Triple Citra. Ooh, triple. You really like hookers. I do really like hookers. <laughs> oh, wait, the beer. Yeah. Yes, the beer. <laughs> well, for funsies, I'm drinking water out of a vodka bottle. Ooh. I don't know why. I was like. I sometimes drink water out of beer bottles at yeah. a party because it makes me feel less less boring yeah yeah it's a conveniently sized bottle i don't know it is just... it's the experience of just drinking out of the fun bottle that i enjoy more so than the beverage often at parties so i'm thinking about sitting outside on my front porch and just chugging from it as people walk or drive by <laughs> do it you should wrap it in a, a brown paper bag though. <laughs> i should even though you're on your own front porch i feel like that would really add to it oh yeah definitely yeah <laughs> anyway, yeah, where were we? <laughs> I don't even know. Daniel and Sarah oh, are okay. catching up still. <laughs> Sarah assures Daniel that Dr. Jordan still really loved Daniel. That he was his best student and was hoping he would find proof. I wonder what that's like getting along with your advisor. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Instead of getting yelled at for asking questions because yeah. you're a student. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm not at all bitter about it still. No. No. So she explains Stephen is super jealous of Daniel because of his relationship with the professor. But also Stephen's pretty successful. He's got a book on the bestseller and he's going to buy a Porsche. Ooh, Ooh. This is all not interesting. Okay, blah, blah, blah. They're talking about the end of their relationship, how it could have ended better. But Daniel's like, I got caught up in something else. Oh, but I still can't tell you about it. Tee-hee. ha, ha, ha. And she then says she wants to show Daniel something, so they head on out. In the briefing room, Hammond comes in. Sam has gotten there by this point. Jack asks who they're getting assigned to SG-1 so that they are no longer SG-3 quarters for this next mission. But Hammond has changed his mind and is going to give them all some time off. Until 
Daniel comes back because they're all past due for a vacation. Jack has a snarky reply Shock. about the fact that the personal leave hasn't been the issue, but the getting to leave the SGC when they've been given personal leave has been a problem. And Hammond says, well, I'm sure you'll at least make it to the front door this time. Jack, of course, is going to go fishing and really wants Sam to come with him on that fishing trip. But she does not think that sounds at all interesting. So he's going to make Tilk go with him instead. So it's going to be him and Tilk and the fish. Ooh, also the loons. Don't forget the loons. Oh, yeah. I actually really love loons. So that's great. I loved this. When Sam yeah. leaves, Tilk looks away from Jack like he can just ignore Jack and Jack won't ask him to go. <laughs> it reminded me a bit of Lily who tries to not make eye contact when she <laughs> when she doesn't want us to like call her over or, or is just like thinking that we won't notice her there if she doesn't make eye contact with her, but then continues to look at us side-eyed. <laughs> But yeah, Tilk doesn't look thrilled about this either. No. No, he does not. In Chicago, Sarah and Daniel have made it back to Dr. Jordan's office, which I guess only the lab exploded. So they I can guess? still go yeah. into the office. That's cool. So she's going to show him what they were looking at before the accident. Daniel's impressed. She explains that they do have to send it back to Egypt, so they are trying to learn as much as they can before they send it back. Daniel reads from a piece of paper. It's somebody's <laughs> final resting place. Sarah gives us some background. It says that all the members of the original expedition where this stuff was found died within a year of the dig. That was back in 1931. And then they were sailing these artifacts across the ocean and the ship sank off of the New Jersey coast. Oopsie. Yep. Definitely not taking inspiration from the curse of King Tut no. in that expedition. Yes. I did kind of look around. There was no Stuart expedition that I could find. I was just curious how like close to it they wanted to get. Uh, yeah, but I yeah. figured not. That's yeah. just based on King Tut. Yeah. Who's the guy? I'm actually trying to remember the guy that who discovered uh... King Tut's tomb. All right. Now I need to know this, yeah. though, because I meant to look it up and I forgot. Okay. Carter. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, so this is based on the Carter expedition. Because uh. that supposedly happened to everybody that was involved. They died within like a year and there's all kinds of oh, like, yeah, myths yeah. about all that. So I don't know how much of that you've A little, heard. but yeah. Daniel says, though, they all died of mold spores. Yeah, that's also the theory behind what happened with the Carter expedition. How do mold spores kill you? I think that it's mostly like that they're releasing toxic chemicals okay and if they manage to proliferate in your lungs obviously that would be really bad too okay and they might be able to because given the warm moist environment of your lungs that could actually be enough for them to come out of sporulation and start proliferating sure. in your lungs and that would for sure be deadly yeah okay okay i mean for sure like when you hear about black mold being in people's houses that's a bad thing so yeah yeah uh, super yeah. bad believable so yeah yeah she continues that the wreck was actually found several months ago and then the artifacts were still in their packing crates and they were able to retrieve it and then they shipped them all to the museum. Daniel offers to help with cataloging. Sarah opens up a little box and starts looking around like, oh no, and apparently a gold amulet is missing and she really needs to find it. Uh-oh. Hang on, drink a coffee, then I will talk. Enjoy the coffee. Awesome. <laughs> it's so hot. 
Not cruise ship hot, though, I hope. <laughs> it is not cruise ship hot. Yeah, why is the coffee on cruise ships always so insanely hot? So hot. I don't know. Yeah. In the SGC, Jack and Tilk are getting ready to go on their vacation. Hammond is walking with them. Jack is reiterating the fact that they are not to be communicated under any circumstances. They're not going to even have any technology with them in order to help them communicate. They're going to be inaccessible. Hammond says incommunicado, and Jack says Minnesota, Minnesota sir. <laughs> Hammond stands corrected. I don't know why I thought that was so funny, <laughs> but, but I really loved that joke. They get in the elevator. Jack just keeps talking as the doors are closing about how no matter what's going on, nope, nothing. Thor, if Thor needs him, you can beam him up. Not coming back. At the museum, Daniel has made his way to the archives and is talking to the curator who's doing some organizing. He says that he's looking for an artifact from the Stuart expedition that went missing. And she says, oh, the Isis jar. He specifically says that the amulet was listed as item 14C. Maybe it just never even made it up there in the first place, but the curator says that no, for sure, it did make it up there. She sent it up there herself. So now he wants to know more about this Isis jar that she was talking about. She brings him to it. It was mislabeled, so she only just found it. (laughs) And because she's a rather small lady, she is having a bit of trouble (laughs) reaching it on the shelf. I don't know why this was funny, but it was because he just reaches over and grabs it to her as she's struggling to like step up on a shelf and reach it. There are some symbols on it that she's never seen before. Daniel, of course, has, though. So she says, great, I'm going to go catalog some Polynesian death masks. They keep handling all these things with their bare hands. And I was wondering if that is advisable. It wouldn't seem to me that it would be, but I don't know what the protocol is for archaeological relics or relics. I feel like there's also for this one, there's the added element that it was under the sea for decades and that I'm surprised they're in such wonderful shape. Right. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't think that they would be in such good shape given that they're supposed to be what? They're supposed to be ebony, which is like made of trees. Yeah. The ivory might be fine, but I wouldn't think that. They said they were. Yeah. They said they were in the packing grates, but were the packing crates like airtight? Airtight? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I would think that they should be worried about the oils on their fingers destroying this stuff, or at the very least, like, leaving indelible marks, or possibly even picking up some toxins that might be on them. Who knows? Fair. Hmm. But, no, Fair. they're just going to keep handling them with bare hands. Yeah. Yeah. At the SGC, Sam's project that she's working on is just a motorcycle that yeah. Sergeant Siler is helping her with. I thought that was great, though. Yeah. No, I loved it. Yeah. That it wasn't actually, like, a science thing and it was just a thing she's doing for fun why does she have to do it at the sgc though yeah i don't know does she live here maybe she lives here maybe (laughs) maybe she lives in an apartment like mine that forbids you from doing any kind of work like this out in the parking lot and so she had nowhere else to do it maybe Mm. it could be yeah but she gets a phone call from daniel politely kicks siler out of the room to have have this conversation i don't know It was a little weird, but he was totally like, yeah, sure, I'm fine, bye. Yeah, they don't have any secrets from Siler. Yeah, I don't know. Daniel's calling, though, because Mm -hmm. he's telling her that in addition to Egyptian hieroglyphs, there's gold symbols on the jar. What? (gasps) (gasps) And then there's a literal dun-dun-dun commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah, that was that scene. (laughs) Yeah. After the commercial break, 
Tilk and Jack are out at the lake. Jack is having a great time. Tilk, not so much because the bugs apparently really love his face. <laughs> Tilk is not convinced that there are even any fish in this pond. And Jack says, well, it's not about the fishing. It's about the act of fishing, the whole experience. And then a cell phone rings. Jack is not pleased. But Tilk says that Hammond was insistent that they take it. Daniel is on the other line trying to translate the inscription that he has seen. He apparently can sound it out, but he doesn't actually know what it means. And Tilk says that it means banished to oblivion. Hmm. That doesn't sound ominous at all. No. Yeah. Meanwhile, Tilk, throughout this entire conversation, has been continuing to slap at flies and is looking increasingly annoyed. <laughs> Daniel says, all right, great. Well, I'm going to take it from here. Bye. And Tilk asks if he's certain that he doesn't need Tilk's help because Tilk would be totally happy to go help. But no, Daniel doesn't need him. So Tilk is stuck where he is. Jack takes the phone back, rips out the battery, throws the battery away, and then gives Tilk the phone back. And so he uses it to then continue swatting at flies. <laughs> Tilk is also wearing a fishing hat in this scene. Mm -hmm. So hat watch. Yep, hat watch. I was wondering, like, why is it even bothering? But I guess maybe he just wants to wear a hat for the purpose of wearing a hat, not for covering his tattoo necessarily. Because Jack was also wearing a bucket hat. Maybe the sun was bothering their heads. Yeah. I don't know. He is a very bald person to have he the is. sun beating down on the top of your head. Yeah. That's not pleasant. Also, I like that Jack is, like, leisurely lounging and Tilk is just standing there. Yeah. There's I that... noticed he was standing there holding his fishing rod yeah. the way that he holds his staff, too. So. <laughs> and there's not even a chair for him. So Yeah. <laughs> he... It was weird yeah. and funny. <laughs> Daniel has made his way back to the SGC. I get, I don't know if that was before his phone call or after. I think it was after, but okay. yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But he's brought the thing with him, right? Yeah. Did he yeah. have permits for that? I like, don't know. How did he just get it checked out of the... I don't know. <laughs> they were just okay with this guy that's got no credentials <laughs> taking this priceless artifact that they have on loan from the Egyptian government. Maybe he uh, has the weight of the military behind him and they mm. sent something to the curator. Whatever. They let, yeah. the, they let the jar out. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel's explaining that they often put organs in these jars and then bury them with the sarcophagus. But... The original expedition, there was no sarcophagus, so he's not sure that this is what it's for. And he says the hieroglyphs say the jar belonged to Isis, who was the Egyptian mother goddess, he says. I didn't look up Isis. I only looked up Osiris. Sorry. No, oh, she was supposedly <laughs> yeah. the wife of I Osiris. Yes, yes. And sister. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember a ton from my obsession with Egypt back when I was in high school, but I at least remember a little bit of the mythology. Yeah, so the only things I really read about for, it was just a cursory look, because again, this was this morning, yeah. was that they were married, Seth kills Osiris, Yeah. and then there's a couple of different iterations of what happens after that, some of them where Isis revives him, some where he's chopped into pieces and Isis either revives, re revives him or revives him enough to get herself pregnant, and then, Ew. yeah... <laughs> And so that she can have her child. Yeah, it's a Gross. It's interesting. <laughs> but Osiris is the god of a lot of things, including like the afterlife. Not the underworld, but no. the good afterlife. Yeah, yeah. Daniel actually talks about him being placed in a magic box and dumped into the Nile by Seth. 
And Daniel says the gold symbols indicate that Isis and Osiris suffered a punishment or banishment to who knows where. Hammond would like the contents of the jar analyzed. And Daniel says you should be cautious. It could be a gold booby trap. And also it's cursed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it comes with a free frogut. That's good. The frogut is also cursed. That's bad. I liked Sam's reaction to that. <laughs> um, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Sam leaves and Daniel says that the inventory showed there were two jars and they only have the one. So mm, where's the other one? Uh-oh. Daniel's going to fly back to Chicago to look for it. Next, it is nighttime and Daniel is in Chicago looking for it. <laughs> The archives are all dark. He yells, hello, nobody answers. But we do see a shadow pass by. Daniel turns on his flashlight and finds Stephen. They both want to know what the other is doing here. Stephen has the good point that he works there. So what the hell is Daniel doing there? But Daniel says he asked first. They look around for the breaker box and continue talking about the steward expedition. Daniel says that there's something missing. Stephen says there's nothing missing. Daniel specifies he's looking for a particular canopic jar, and Stephen figures that it must be the Osiris jar, but that was destroyed in the explosion. Not missing, just destroyed. Daniel also wants to know about the gold amulet. And instead of answering, Stephen accuses Daniel of just being there to try to get back together with Sarah. (laughs) They continue arguing about things that really are not that important. They do find the breaker box eventually. Turn the lights back on. And talk about how maybe they should try to find the curator. Why they would think the curator would be here in the dark (laughs) at night, I don't know. But it actually does turn out she's here in the dark at night because the elevator comes up and her dead body is inside. (sighs) Ooh, not great. (laughs) Nope. Back in Sam's nerd lab, they are doing a scan of the Isis jar. And Sam's like, well, looks like ordinary ceramic seal's been damaged and they're going to use a computer enhanced MRI to tell them what's inside I heard that what was that about (laughs) what is it Uh, not uh, okay I I don't know I would think that all MRIs are computer enhanced (laughs) these days but back in the 90s maybe that wasn't the case let me actually see now I want to search hang on I'm not convinced it's a real thing the image on the screen we see is of a hagfish. Uh-oh. What is enhanced MRI? Oh, that's just talking about when you're drinking. Yeah, this doesn't have any idea okay. what it is. So, <laughs> so yeah, not really. All right, thing. cool. That was that scene. <laughs> yeah, sure was. Daniel and Sarah are hanging out in Dr. Jordan's office talking about how it would seem that maybe the curator just suffered a freak accident, even though Stephen had tried to blame Daniel for it. It would seem some bricks just happened to fall on her head. Mm, I'm sure that's (laughs) totally normal in an elevator (laughs) for that to happen. (laughs) Sarah points out that the papers are saying it's the curse of the mummy striking again. But you get your choice of topping. That's good. The toppings contain potassium benzoate. That's bad. Can I go now? Daniel's still really interested in the Osiris jar, so they change topics over to that. He wants to know if there are any pictures of it, and there are, but those aren't helpful. However, Dr. Jordan did write down the inscription, and that is helpful. Back in the lab, 
They're using their little isolation box. Fraser is opening the jar and taking the hagfish out. I would think that the Egyptian government might take some issues with this. Yeah, probably. But that's not addressed, no. of course. Yeah. Even though it seems to be in really good shape and is still very, very slimy, the hagfish is apparently dead. Fraser starts to cut into it. This is when I was having my flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> She says it's perfectly preserved. It could have died yesterday. That's not the same as being preserved. It does look like it could have died yesterday, but a preserved species would not look the same as something that had just died necessarily. Fair. Anyway, that's just me being it's picky. Icky. It is quite <laughs> icky. Agree. In Dr. Jordan's office, Daniel and Sarah have turned their attention to Dr. Jordan's computer where there might be some files, but unfortunately it turns out all the files are gone. Convenient. As well as his emails have all been deleted as well. The backups are also gone. I liked that the backups were all in a box of floppy oh, yeah. disks. <laughs> oh, yeah. And not just like a hard drive somewhere yeah. or the cloud or yeah. whatever. But, you know, those weren't was, really things back yeah, then. Yeah. I, well, I mean, hard drives were, but, you know, you know I what I mean. I got rid of so many floppy disks in the last few weeks that I found out my mom's <laughs> that were all like backups of her like computers from like the 90s i'm like oh wow. no. you didn't need to keep these but no <laughs> i don't know yeah. that there would really even be any technology to help you read them <laughs> oh, yeah. i was like mm, okay bye bye anyway <laughs> these old files that probably nothing supports anymore yeah yeah right I know. One time, so a long time ago, I had a word processor before I had a computer because, you know, yeah. there were, and that was yeah, common. And there was nothing I could ever read the word processor files on after we got rid of the word processor. And I was kind of sad because I had like yeah. stories I'd written and stuff on there. Oh, I'm sure they were crap, but because <laughs> I was like <laughs> a teen, like a like an early young teen. So they were probably yeah. garbage. Fair. But I was like, damn it. I still I still somewhere around here have one of those cassette tapes that you and I used to make way back before we decided that we were going to be podcasters together. Remember when we used to just like yell into my boombox and record it? No. And I found one, but I have no way of playing a cassette tape, so I will probably never know what's actually I might have it. a boombox at my mom's house unless Kurt and I threw it away. Holy shit. Bonus yeah. episode. <laughs> I'll take a look. It's probably total garbage, but it will be like nine-year-old Kathy yeah. and Mary yelling into That's the boombox. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> we might still have the boombox. I'll check. Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. But anyway, apparently there's something called Tombstone on the computer that can recover stuff. Sarah's able to find one email message from the night the professor died. Which contained a, a results of an analysis done on the ebony on the missing amulet. And it, shocking, shows that the amulet is over 10,000 years old. What? Ah, Sarah's like, you were right all along. Daniel's like, yeah, obviously. obviously. And then he's like, you need to keep this a secret. And she's like, what the hell? This validates all your theories and it's totally crazy. It's going to blow everything wide open. Sarah's like, but we could contact the guy who performed the analysis, even though the artifact's missing, so we can, like, find more things. And then Sarah notices that someone was CC'd on this email and it was Steven. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. In the briefing room, Fraser 
is presenting to Sam and Hammond her findings from her study on the hagfish. She says that at first they thought that it was preserved, like a specimen in formaldehyde, which was weird to me because you would for sure smell the preservatives. Fraser continues that now they're not so sure that it was actually preserved, and it turns out that the canopic jar itself had a tiny bit of naquita in it, and some low-level electrical charge was being transmitted or emitted through the thing, which, as we've learned before, is something that hagfish require to stay alive. There was also some special fluid in there. So they think it was actually probably a stasis chamber for the hagfish and not a preserved hagfish, but probably maybe quite alive. And that could be bad if there is another jar out there that was successful in keeping its hagfish alive. And then we get another literal dun-dun-dun <laughs> to commercial. Back in the museum, Daniel is looking at more artifacts. Scanning them with a stud yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason. Tell me about it, stud. I think later we learn he was scanning them for Naquita. Yeah, are we not supposed to recognize that, though, know. as an it obvious stud, like stud finder? finder. <laughs> Sarah comes in, so he tucks it away so she doesn't see it. She reports that she went by Stephen's place, and Stephen has packed up and left. Daniel says he already knows that. Why would he have packed up everything, though? <laughs> don't. Like, all his furniture and everything is just emptied out just for one trip? Yeah, I don't know. They both think that Stephen stole the amulet at this point, for whatever reason. Daniel needs to find him, though, obviously, because there's crazy shit happening, and obviously they think he's a gold yep. at this point. There's like, I'll come with you, but Daniel says it's too dangerous. And that three people have died already. And that is when we find out that the technician who did the scan was also killed. Whoops. Yeah. To what end? I don't know. But no. Yeah. (laughs) I guess he knew that the artifact was technically too old, but who? whether or not they would have even realized it was too old because probably their specialty wasn't Egyptology, so. But who also is doing this cover-up? I mean, at this point, you think, okay, Stephen's covering it up to, as Sarah theorizes, to stop Daniel's theories from being proven right. Yeah. But ultimately, I feel like, why? But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sarah's like, I don't think Stephen killed anyone. But Daniel's like, he might not be who you think he is anymore. He can't tell her why. (laughs) She's pretty frustrated about his not talking about anything. I don't know why he couldn't just say, I've signed an NDA, that's why. Like, I get he's trying to not say that he works for the government or anything, but just say, I've signed an NDA. Yeah, I don't know, but... That should end all the annoying bickering that's happening. He's like, oh, I wish I could tell you, but... The world isn't ready to know. (laughs) Thanks, Daniel. From now on, whenever my students ask me a question, I'm just going to tell them that as my answer. The world isn't ready to know. I could tell you, but I can't tell you because the world isn't ready to know. But I only asked you what happens when we do bone marrow grafts (laughs) and the process involved. The world isn't ready to know. Sorry. (laughs) He's going to disappear again, she says. And he's like, yep. She's pretty pissed about it. She's like, Your Stephen was right. You shouldn't have come back. Fun. 
heartburn. Yeah. Daniel has made his way back to the SGC again and is telling Sam and Hammond that he thinks that Stephen is now in gold. They really need to find that amulet that was stolen from Dr. Jordan's office. They're wondering why Stephen would even bother to take it in the first place because Daniel says that it's a fairly standard, just a standard amulet. There doesn't really seem to be anything too special about it. So they're debating, could it be a gold device? What? Why would he want it? Why would he care? Daniel here says that he was looking for Naquita and didn't find any on any of the devices before with his stud finder. I don't think they're designed to find Naquita, though, so that's probably why he couldn't find it. Long story short, they figure that he's probably looking for a way home at this point or some way off the planet, at least, because he wouldn't know what had happened to Seth or Ra or anything that's happened within the last couple thousand years. So Hammond just put the base on alert because they've got a Stargate and it's the only way off the planet. Meanwhile, Dr. Frazier's been busy. She's synthesized a sedative from the liquid in the jar and put it into darts. How did she do that? That's not normal doctor work. Don't know. That would be chemist (laughs) work. Also, why do the darts have troll hair on them? (laughs) Well, I don't know why it's troll hair specifically, but it does need something like that on the back to like keep it steady as it's projected. I I looked up darts and I... (laughs) Yeah, like like, they need something, but I wouldn't think that they would need like this fuzzy troll hair like... No, they said it sort of projects like a shuttlecock would, so I don't know. Yeah. But anyway. But don't they like just normally use like some kind of like f- fletching, not fuzz? I, I don't know. I didn't look that closely <laughs> into it because that wasn't actually my question about the dart. I only noticed because Daniel was standing there playing with the fuzz while they were talking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what really got me to thinking about why do they have troll yeah. hair on them? Yeah, but... I'll talk about my dart question later. Anyway, they've got this dart because they want to try to take the gold alive because it might be valuable as a source of information, even though they've been locked in a jar for thousands of years. Okay. But Hammond's like, okay, cool. That's an option. But the priority is to stop the hagfish without, you know, dying, basically. That's important. The phone rings and Dr. Fraser hands it on over to Hammond. And Hammond reports that Stephen Rayner is on his way to Cairo. And Daniel's like, oh, he might be going back to that temple where the jars were found. And if we move fast, we could head him off. Which, really? Like, yeah, how? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, didn't you do a whole thing about the speed of some planes would I did yeah I I researched how long it would take to get from Cheyenne Mountain to Antarctica and whether or not it would have made any sense for them to wait until Hammond got there and know it (laughs) wouldn't because they'd have been dead (laughs) (laughs) I did not do that for this but yeah (laughs) okay but anyway they're gonna try to catch up with Stephen Hammond (laughs) is gonna alert the Egyptian authorities I guess that the U.S. military is gonna be on their way through their territory and for some reason, Dr. Frazier's coming. Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Oh, no. <laughs> I guess maybe to, like, help make sure that the hagfish or that the host doesn't die after I guess. they sedated yeah. it. Maybe. But that still that seemed like be. a bit of a stretch yeah. to me. Yeah, Because it does. I was reading about the sedatives being used on humans a little bit in 
Mm-hmm. It basically, it's not a lot because it has to be very precise, the amount of sedative used to either work or not kill right. them. Yeah, so, exactly. Like, too much sedative and the person's heart stops. So maybe they don't know exactly how this is going to go, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That was my only <laughs> guess. But yeah, it still seemed weird that they would send her and maybe, like, maybe a nurse, yeah. maybe a technician, maybe not, like, the main doctor that you have. <laughs> what if something goes wrong and you need a doctor? Is the guy that likes to hit the button still around? We haven't seen him in a while. He'd be so good at this. He would. I hope he's still around. I hope so, too. I liked him. Yeah, me too. He's very good at pushing buttons. Sure is. Very efficient. Fast on his feet. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mess around. Doesn't get himself killed. Yeah. Pushes that alert. Yeah. The guy's great. We get a very quick scene of Daniel driving a Jeep. Sam and Fraser are there also. They're heading out to the place. It is about 10 miles away. Very exciting scene. Ahead of them in the tomb, Stephen is having a look around. He, in fact, does have the amulet after all. There's a slot on the wall for it where it fits perfectly. He sticks it on that slot. And a big red tanning bed opens up. (laughs) At least that's what it kind of looks like. (laughs) It (laughs) does. Sam, Daniel, and Fraser arrive at the tomb. They are sneak, sneak, sneaking around outside, getting their dart gun ready, getting all prepared. And then they just waltz in and shine their flashlight all over the place, not being covert at all. So I didn't know why they were sneaking around outside the way they were. On the floor, they find Stephen lying unconscious. That's probably not so good. Sam goes up to him and realizes, oh, he is actually not a ghoul at all because she can't sense anything from him. Frazier says he's bleeding internally. How does she know that? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, there's really no way to tell that either from just looking at him. (laughs) But, you know, she's Frazier. She's special. (laughs) Stephen is actually awake now. He's not dead. I'm not dead! He's alive and also conscious. He says that he took the amulet. He realized how old it was and that Daniel was right all along. And... He really wanted to make a discovery here, so that's why he snuck off to Cairo. Did he have the permits for that, though, I was wondering? Wow. Because I'm guessing probably not. Fraser says that they need to get him out of here as soon as possible if they're going to save him from his internal bleeding injuries. Daniel asks who did this to him, and Sarah comes in and says she did. Except, uh-oh, she has a old voice. She did. Oh, I also forgot to mention before, there was a sparkle bling inside the tanning bed that Stephen had taken out and was kind of playing around with. But now, Sarah slash Osiris is wearing the sparkle bling. Yeah. Yeah. Which she uses to blast Sam and Frasier the hell out of the way. Yep. She continues talking to Daniel and asks where the Stargate is. Why would she call it a Stargate instead of a Chapa Eye, though? Good question. Don't know. Hmm. Osiris slash Sarah continues to lament that the temple was once full of worshippers, but Daniel says, yeah, well, times have changed. She wants to know where her brother is and where all these other people are, and Daniel's like, yeah, they're dead. They're all dead. We killed them all. And she's like, great. She slash he slash they are like, great. That means that you've done a lot of work for me. (laughs) She does want to know where the Isis jar is. Daniel says that they have it, but he's not going to tell Sarah slash Osiris where it is. So he gets sparkle blinged in the face 
you would think that he might have some permanent brain damage at this point, given how often he gets sparkle blinged in the face. <laughs> but his takeaway later is just that he's probably getting desensitized to it because he's just fine later on. <laughs> Needless to say, he does not tell Osiris where Isis is. Daniel manages to fumble and stab Osiris with one of the darts, but it does not do anything whatsoever. So this is where I was looking up dart stuff. I had ah, a couple okay. things. One, I think she started to get a little stumbly towards the... She did seem yeah. to, yeah. So despite what TV tells us, most of the time these darts do not work immediately. No, they take a yeah. while. The second thing I was trying to find out and could was not successful was, was how much force was needed to actually you know, inject the sedative into a person? Like, does it mm. need to be, like, really fast and hard, like, from a projectile? Yeah. Or is Daniel jabbing it in? Which he did use some force behind enough for that. But I couldn't find any actual information on that, unfortunately. But I was just curious. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know exactly what would be the release mechanism that would trigger it to inject I mean, yeah. It, I guess there's several kinds it could be, but all of them yeah. require, like, force to, like, make that happen. It relies on that momentum of going forward. Moment, yeah. yeah, forward momentum and then the sudden stop. Yeah, so I just don't, I just couldn't figure out, out like yeah. if Daniel jabbing it was forceful enough, but I guess yeah. it was whatever. Probably yeah. it could have been, yeah. but yeah, maybe not. Maybe that's why it didn't really work so Who well. Who knows? Anyway. Anyway, Osiris is very angry at this thing that Daniel has tried to do, backs up and says that when Osiris returns, the rivers of earth are going to run red with blood, pushes a button. Rings come down around her. <laughs> they take a weird Christ-like pose as they're being <laughs> ringed up, which I thought was very strange and melodramatic. Yeah. Sam wakes up and tries to shoot, but unfortunately only manages to hit the rings and not the person in the rings. So Osiris gets ringed up, as does Saris, the host, obviously, yeah. <laughs> not just the hagfish. <laughs> This is when Sam goes to check on Daniel and he says, yeah, I'm just getting used to that thing. It's fine. Everything's fine. Frazier wakes up and wants to know where Osiris is. And Sam says he's gone. Daniel asks, well, what about Steven? Frazier says if they get him out of there right now, he'll probably make it. <laughs> Daniel figures they've got to make up a good story to tell him when he comes around again. Good luck with that. And we see a ship leaving that had come up out of the sand. Have we ever seen one with a giant stinger on the bottom of it before? Not that I recall. Is that how they, they plant it in the ground? The anchor, perhaps? <laughs> it could be. Although when they showed it coming up out of the ground, it didn't initially have the big oh. tail thing. Then, yeah. So I guess maybe that projected after. Maybe. It's a good thing this thing still works after being buried in the desert for 10,000 years yeah. or more. Anyway, that's the end of the episode. Yeah. A very sudden end. I was like, wait, that's it? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's it. I really think they're going to have a hard time convincing Steven that this was all like crazy talk. Anyway. Right? Yeah. yeah. How do you convince him that out in the middle of nowhere in this ancient tomb, there is a very modern looking tanning bed yeah. with this sparkle bling yeah, stuff? And oh, that 10,000 year old thing. Oh, that was a mistake. Yeah. yeah. The lab technician was wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Kathy. Yes. Did you like the episode? I did. I enjoyed funny Jack and Teal times. It was kind of a nice little bit of live or a real world vindication for Daniel's theories. 
Yeah. Even though it resulted in the death of his mentor and the loss of yeah. his ex-girlfriend and the possible yeah. demise of his frenemy and other collateral randos who and died. And it's not like anything about this can ever be published to yeah. actually redeem him in the actual yeah. academic community. So Yeah. So Sarah was a hagfish the entire time. Or she had the hagfish the entire time that Daniel was there. But she played it extremely well i i had no clue about that until the end although i was looking since i knew it was going to end up being her i was kind of watching steven a little bit more closely when he was in the in the tomb than i had in previous times watching this episode and he clearly didn't know what the sparkle bling was like you could tell from his face he didn't know what it was and then yeah it was all too late anyway so i liked that i had some questions why did sarah open the goddamn jar she wasn't supposed to. Right. Like, why? Oh, see, my takeaway, and I think I'm actually probably wrong with this, but I've been thinking that maybe there really was an explosion and she happened to be in the lab when the explosion happened oh. and didn't die, but that the hagfish escaped and went over to her. But that's probably not right because, yeah, she probably just killed the professor and was probably the one to open it. That was my assumption. But, but... we never really get a definitive answer to that. But I think that probably is what happened, though. Yeah. And then my other question was, who deleted all the information off the computer? Are we assuming it was Steven because he wanted to take all the credit? Yeah. Oh, I assumed that was also but, Sarah. But why? Slash Osiris. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, and why did she kill the technician? Again, I assume it was her and not Steven, yeah. but maybe Steven's also a terrible person who murders people. I really don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. How would that benefit her? I don't know. In any way. But it would, maybe Steven is the murderer. Yeah. And that's just kind of a kind of a separate thing because yeah maybe he didn't want anybody to know who knows it was it was mm. all a little weird so i had some questions but overall weird. i liked the episode how about you yeah I, this is actually the episode that i was thinking it was when i was talking last week about not liking it i actually did like it a lot better this time around i think the reason i didn't like it before was because i found sarah to be kind of an annoying character and as i've already said many times i hate bickering oh yeah as a plot device and just all the bickering between her and daniel about why can't you tell me tell me tell me and i daniel saying that he can't that annoyed me but going into this expecting to be annoyed i actually enjoyed it more than i thought i would fair it's actually interesting too the bickering takes on a new meaning when she is a hagfish and she's like just trying to get information out of daniel about how to get the hell off this damn planet yeah Yeah. and i was pretty sure i couldn't remember completely but i was pretty sure that she was in fact osiris and not steven this whole time so i thought i spoiler alert i think i remember her coming back which is not surprising given how they left <laughs> no. this but yeah i was pretty sure that i remembered her being the hagfish being oh. the gold person so yeah i actually did enjoy it a lot more there were a lot of funny bits i hadn't even really thought about it in as much detail as you did to come up with those questions that you had but those are all very good questions about why all of those things needed to happen yeah like the poor curator what was yeah. the benefit of killing the curator i liked that lady and i, I was sad that she died and that I don't see how that benefited anything. No, my guess would be that Osiris went to find Isis's jar and found the curator instead. And the curator's like, what were you doing here? And then just killed yeah. her. I don't know. That's the only way I can yeah. think that that would. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. But it was a decent episode. Yeah. All around. Agreed. Despite my initial reluctance. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. What's next? Next, we're going to watch Stargate SG-1 Season 4, Episode 14, The Serpent's Venom. 
Teal'c is captured by the Gold. The rest of SG-1, no. unaware of his fate, are dispatched to thwart a burgeoning alliance between Apophis and Heroer. How do they not notice Teal'c is missing? I don't. I don't. Maybe he's a, on a vacation he, again? Maybe. Maybe. That's what Netflix says. Booklet. Do you provide any other information? The booklet says SG-1 travels to a remote... In- interplanetary minefield to sabotage a hazardous alliance between two powerful Gwuld system lords. But their mission becomes far more dangerous when they realize Tilk has been captured by one of the lords. Gee, who? <laughs> who plans to use them as a pawn in their evil negotiations? Can't imagine. No. Although maybe it is Harrower. And he's going to use him to have leverage over Apophis because they're all terrible. Yeah, I forgot Puffus was still alive. I know. Actually, I forgot Harry Er was still. I forgot either of these guys were still around. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's been a while since we've seen them. It's true. Yeah. They're coming. Woo! They are. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews are very much appreciated to help other people find the show as is word of mouth. That is also a great way to help more people find the show so that we can continue growing this thing. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram or Twitter. You can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website and get our episodes through our website at stargatesing.space. And if you're feeling generous, you can find us on patreon.com slash stargatesing. Anything that you are able to contribute is very much appreciated to help us keep the show going. And there is bonus content involved for our patrons as well. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargate Sing The End. The End. Wall to, woe to all. Bleh. <laughs> bleh, woe to Breathing all who. Is hard. <laughs> anyway, it's somebody's <laughs> final resting place.